Hey everyone, welcome to episode 37 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray, and this week, the big news of the week is the SAC Panic vulnerabilities in the Linux kernel. So we'll cover those and a bunch of other things. Uh, in particular, I'll have a chat to Joe about SAC Panic. Uh, we've also got some vulnerabilities in Samba, uh, SQLite, Firefox, Postgres SQL, and uh, an Intel microcode update as well to cover. And then we'll have a look at uh, some open positions that we've got within the team. Okay, so let's get into it. So yeah, as I said, uh, the big issue this week was this SAC panic vulnerability in the Linux kernel. Uh, this was a couple of different CVEs that were addressed uh, for precise extended security maintenance, trusty extended security maintenance, Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic, and Disco. And uh, we also released uh, live patch updates for uh, the Xenial and Bionic kernels as well, both of the, uh, the two long-term support releases. And so you, you were automatically updated uh, for these if you were running live patch uh, and yeah, without having to even reboot. So as I said, uh, I'll go into a, a bit more detail about those uh, later with Joe. So uh, the next issue I want to look at is a couple of different CVs in Samba. Uh, two different ones here that were uh, affecting the disco release. Uh, both of these were denial of service issues and both were actually null pointedy reference uh, issues. So that could be you know triggered and therefore crash uh, the Samba server. One was in the uh, Active Directory Domain Controller DNS Management Server uh, Remote Procedure Call Process, and uh, this was only able to be triggered by an authenticated user, uh, so not so bad, but the other was in uh, the LDAP server, and any user with read access to the directory could potentially trigger a different null pointer to your reference there, obviously, using the page search control. So they've both been fixed for uh, Samba in Disco. We've got an update for SQLite. So 12 different CVEs that we fixed for uh, Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic, and Disco. And seven of these were relevant uh, to the older version of SQLite in precise extended security maintenance and trusty extended security maintenance. So we've updated it for all those different releases. And uh, as I say, a fair, fair few number of CVEs here. These were a mix of various issues, mostly involving different memory corruption issues. Uh, so we've got things like a bunch of different use after free vulnerabilities, uh, a few different denial of service vulnerabilities due to various crashes. Uh, there was a heap-based buffer overread. So this again would result in likely a, a crash and denial of service, but possible information disclosure uh, because it would read too much memory and return that. Uh, there was an incorrect use of temporary directories and also a race condition leading to a null pointer reference and finally uh, an integer overflow that would then lead to a buffer overflow and as a result a likely crash therefore denial of service but possible code execution depending obviously on how you can corrupt that memory so they've all been fixed for sqlite we've got an update for libvirt so two cves here for cosmic and disco one of these was a denial of service uh, caused by the fact that uh, some different APIs uh, in the guest agents were able to be ac accessed by read-only users, which they weren't meant to be, and this would cause libvirt to block and therefore a denial of service. Uh, but there was also a privilege escalation vulnerability uh, in libvirt due to uh, insecure permissions on a couple different sockets that are used uh, by the vert lockd and the vert logd uh, daemons. And uh, both of these have a Unix domain socket. Uh, these actually get created by the systemd unit files for these two uh, daemons, but uh, the sockets were created as world re uh, sorry world writable, and so basically anyone could write to them. Uh, and uh, the daemons themselves aren't uh, doing any kind of authentication on top of that. So yeah, anyone could uh, write to these and potentially elevate their privileges as a result. So the fix for this was pretty simple, just updating the systemd unit files to make sure where it defines the sockets uh, that it specifies the right mode for those. We've got an update for Firefox. 
So one CVE here fixed for Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic and Disco. Uh, this is the Firefox 67.0.3 release and uh, this fixed a remotely exploitable crash or possible code execution issue uh, due to type confusion in the JavaScript engine in Firefox. And there was actually a bunch of reports that this was being actively used uh, to uh, target various cryptocurrency exchanges and try to deliver malware to them, people running Windows or uh, Mac in this case. So not directly targeting Linux users, but yeah, kind of interesting to see uh, a bit more detail on how some of these vulnerabilities actually can potentially be leveraged. We've got an update for events. So this uh, was for uh, Xenial and Bionic. And now it's not actually a particular vulnerability here that we're looking at. We're looking at uh, actually updated AppArmor profiles for events to ensure that it uh, was basically hardened against a bunch of different things. So in particular, we're looking at kind of further restricting uh, how events can access private file directories and to kind of address a bunch of issues that actually were raised by Jan Horn from Google Project Zero and in particular kind of limiting how much uh, access Event has to Dbus to make sure that various you know, ways that it might be able to escape the AppArmor profile were hardened and closed off. We've got an update for Bind. So one CVE here fixed for Bionic, Cosmic and Disco. This was a, a crash and would result in a denial of service because of an assertion failure that was caused by a race condition when handling malform packets. So that's been fixed for Bind. An update for Thunderbird. So four different CVEs here fixed for Xenial, Bionic, Cosmic and Disco. Uh, these were all different issues in handling of iCal data and all remotely triggerable, obviously, because it's a, an email client, so you can send crafted emails to trigger these. Uh, there was a crash due to type confusion, so just a denial of service there. Uh, but there was uh, a stack and two separate heap buffer overflows as well that could be triggered. And so these could all potentially be exploitable remotely to execute arbitrary code. So yeah, they've all been fixed for Thunderbird. A few more to go, we've got an update for Postgres. So one CVE here fixed for Bionic, Cosmic and Disco. Uh, the upstream description for this is uh, pretty simple. It's a, it just says stack buffer overflow by setting a password. Uh, but if we dig a bit further into that, what that uh, would mean is that an authenticated user uh, was possible that they could set their password to a specially crafted value that then when, post, uh, when processed by Postgres would cause it to crash or to possibly execute arbitrary code. So likely uh, there's a buffer overflow there that was happening. Uh, and yeah, so you could execute code as the Postgres server potentially. Uh, so that's been fixed for Postgres. We've got an update for uh, Mosquito. Uh, so two CVEs here for Xenial, Bionic and Cosmic. Uh, one of these was a remotely triggerable memory leak, which was able to be triggered by unauthenticated remote users. And so this could therefore be used to crash the Mosquito broker. Uh, it's an service issue there basically just by exhausting uh, the memory. And a separate denial of service due to handling of UTF-8. So in this case, one client was able to send an invalid UTF-8 topic string. Uh, then other clients who were configured to reject invalid UTF-8 would just get disconnected. So you're basically able to disconnect all the other clients, potentially, uh, if, you know, if they're configured to reject invalid UTF-8. So that was obviously fixed just to reject that on the server side. We've got an update for Intel Microcode. So a few weeks ago, back in episode 32, uh, we talked about the... Uh, microarchitectural data sampling vulnerabilities in Intel processors. These are kind of the latest round of uh, hardware vulnerabilities there for Intel. And this was fixed by a combination of updates to the kernel, but also microcode updates. And so you either needed a BIOS update to update the microcode or, or, or a microcode update or, um, for Ubuntu itself, so it could be loaded as Linux itself was booting. 
Uh, in this case, Intel didn't release microcode updates for all of their processes at the same time. Uh, in particular, in this case, Sandy Bridge uh, has been released late. So this is the corresponding update for Sandy Bridge. So if you are running a Sandy Bridge processor, you now have a corresponding microcode update for that. Uh, and lastly, we've got an update for Web2Pi. So five different CVEs here fixed for Xenial. Various issues here that were fixed, uh, possible remote code execution. Uh, in this case, what was happening is that it was serializing the encryption key info for a given session into a session cookie. Uh, the cookie was then able to possibly be read via a separate vulnerability because uh, there was essentially a REST API endpoint that you could read that cookie value out of. So you could then, as an attacker, just deserialize uh, that cookie, get out the encryption key, and then interpose on the session. A, uh, a similar but separate uh, vulnerability the sample web application used a hard-coded encryption key again so then an attacker was able to easily interpose on that same on that session and do remote code execution another api endpoint would expose environment variables for the server and uh, this would therefore expose host info and so remote attackers could then possibly gain admin access and lastly uh, it didn't do any kind of brute force password protection because it wouldn't reject already denied hosts from repeatedly trying passwords. So you could essentially brute force passwords uh, to your heart's content. So they've all been fixed for Web2Pi. And that takes us to the end of the roundup of vulnerabilities fixed for this week. Uh, so yeah, as I said at the start, the big issue of the past week was the SAC panic vulnerabilities in the Linux kernel. So I sat down with Joe and we had a bit of a chat about that. Yeah, Netflix found these issues with a remote denial of service where you could send especially you could send a specially crafted packet that would cause your um, kernel to panic or use excessive bandwidth or excessive resources. And it was remotely accessible by basically anyone who could connect to your box. I actually don't know if firewalls, firewall appliances were um, filtering that or or not, but machines weren't. And it's an interesting one because um the attack what you know the attack was valid within the RFC. So um you know the the RFC I think 6691 um says that um the traffic was good. So what what happened was there's one particular called um uh I think it was called SAC Panic, the most popular one. There were three different ones they reported, but SAC Panic um, said if you sent a minimum segment size, basically less than 500, um, it would cause a, a kernel panic on any kernel newer than 2.6.29, which was released in July of 2009. So that's like a decade ago. That's, that's, that's a lot of boxes that are vulnerable. So... Um, I find this really interesting because there are so many appliances that run an embedded Linux kernel and they're they're not going to get updated, right? Um, there's so many IoT devices that unless they're, you know, running something like Ubuntu Core, they're not going to be getting, you know, upgrades. So there's a lot of boxes that are going to be out there and susceptible to this. I have a, I have a Nest thermostat. When this call is over, I am totally going to try to see if I can knock it off the network with that packet. Yeah, I wonder even, uh, you know, lots of home routers. You know, I'm just thinking my um, my wireless router here at home is based on Linux and I don't know what kernel version it is, but I'm sure it's easily, <laughs> well, like you said, everything before yeah. uh, after 2629 is affected. So I'm sure it's affected. So can, you know, if I have any, essentially any open ports, right, that are coming through, is it potentially going to be affected or does it need to be initiating a TCP connection to it? Maybe it does and then... Yeah, so maybe that's okay, right? Um, 
But yes, if I had a VPN enabled on it and using it for VPN termination, then it could easily be affected by this. Yeah, the public internet could hit that yeah. VPN connection. Yeah. Um, it, but it, you know, it's a really interesting one, right? Because so Netflix found this, they reported it, um, you know, worked with the community, and the community was like, interesting. But we have to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna solve this because the RFC for TCP says. 20 octets is the minimum segment size. So that's what, 160 bytes, not mm. 500? So um, are we going to override the, um, are we going to override the, the the RFC and go out on our own? And, you know, that's not a, that's not a very Linuxy thing to do. You know, we're, we're very close with, with, with the IET, IETF sets. So um, they didn't do that. So we've come up with some different solutions. So um, the SecPack Panic one, you know, it uses um, it uses that less than 500 um, bytes, and it sends a um, what they call it selective ACK, um, and it can lead an integer overflow, um, which causes this kernel panic. So there's a simple solution you can do on using IP tables. You can just create a new rule if you actually go to our USN, which is usn.ubuntu.com slash 4017-1. It'll be in the notes because you probably won't type that in. Um, but if you go there, there's, a, there's an example of this. And you can IP tables, and you can use an option, which is dash dash MSS 1 to 500 dash J drop, um, which will drop it. It would be really interesting to not only drop it, but also add logging. So you can see how many times people are using this. Yep. And try to figure out if it's malicious or just a different way of doing things. One of uh, the folks on our team um, have reported that uh, a gaming machine in their house was doing less than 500, um, uh, uh, 500 byte packets. Okay, so but that not would... maliciously. Yep, and so so this workaround, uh, this is only if you haven't installed the kernel updates, though, right? So for the yeah. first two, so this is three CVEs. Uh, the first one you said uh, this was the. The most serious one, which was a, uh, you could cause the kernel to panic. So you're going to mm-hmm. basically, you know, halt the whole machine. Uh, you know, that's fixed by a kernel update or by a live patch. And the same with the second one, which was the, you know, uh, really high CPU usage. Mm-hmm. But the third one was one where it was just kind of a moderately high level of CPU usage. And that's the one that uh, at the moment there actually isn't a fix for. As far as I understand, the the proposed fix from upstream is just to add a, a syscall knob that uh, you know system administrators can tweak to set the MSS value mm-hmm. that will be accepted. So essentially the same thing as this IP tables rule that we've outlined, but at the kernel level itself, so you don't have to actually use IP tables to do it. Yeah, and this but is like an you said, way. that you know, th- that's where you know if you're then going to actually go and set this, you're effectively breaking the TCP you know, RFC implementation. Right, we're now going against the. You know, we're now not going to allow what should be a valid value for that because it you know, potentially will result in this higher CPU usage. I wonder what the snort rule looks like for this because um, you'd probably see that quite a bit because um, they usually don't like to go against um, the RFCs either, but I mean, they have to respond with one of these. So I'd be curious to see what the snort rule looks like when, it, when the free ones come out in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is interesting too because um, you know on modern machines you're not only using resources on you know at, at the kernel uh, I'm sorry at the processor you're also seeing it at the network card because we do um, network offloading to the NICs right so the right. NICs are also being chewed up at this level too so it's, it's really it's really interesting that it's not just confined to um, the CPU or to the kernel it's also 
off on the Nick. Cool. So I think that's pretty neat. Um, yeah. I also think it's really cool that Netflix found this. Um, I mean, if anybody should be concerned about networking, it should be Netflix, right? Um, they are probably one of the biggest bandwidth utilizers on the internet. I remember there was a Gartner report that came out a few years ago saying, that, or maybe it wasn't Gartner, somebody report saying that they were in the evening, they were something like 75% of internet traffic. Um, and and that's, I mean, that's a dated one. So now they've got more competitors like Amazon Prime and Hulu, et cetera. But Netflix found this because they need to be concerned about the internet. And that's really one of the cooler things about open source is they found this, they reached out to the community and everyone got involved and it's fixed basically everywhere now where you can do an update. That's right. Yeah, I think yeah, it is really cool. It is one of the uh, great things, I guess, about the uh, the open source world and being able to have that uh, coordination between both vendors and you know distributors and even say you know the individual developers on the Linux uh, NetDev mailing list and things like that. So yeah, yeah, and our own um, our own Tyler Hicks, who used to be on the security team but is now in our kernel team, um, worked closely with uh, with the community to do tests and to do proof of concept and help with all the fixes so just a shout out to tyler thanks for thanks for helping out tyler thanks tyler <laughs> um so that's all i really um can talk about on this one it's it's just really neat that it was fixed um it was fixed quickly from the time they reported it to the time that it went public um and it's a great example of open source and um if you have an old um unupdated box at home find the proof of concept online and try to knock it offline yeah, and then go and set up some IP tables rules. Yeah, exactly. Is it in um? Is it in uh, Metasploit? Yeah, it's got it. Yeah. Um, although I am only half successful at getting Metasploit <laughs> things to work like I want. <laughs> I'm sorry. Should I not have admitted that in front of an audience? <laughs> um, cool. Okay, Alex. Um, remember, we have. I believe we still have a robotics position open on the team, and uh, soon enough we'll have another. Uh, security engineer position opening up on the team for some work with a little more uh, higher level stuff like Java and C and C++. Oh, awesome. Oh, you heard it first on the podcast. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Hit us up on Twitter if you want us to talk about anything. Okay, thanks for that, Joe. Great talking to you again. Looking at the open positions within the team, we've got two open positions, one for a robotic security engineer. So if you have an interest in ROS, the robotics operating system, and would like to help define its kind of security posture and environment going forward, I would urge you to apply for that. Uh, plus, we've also got an open position for a more generalist role. So an Ubuntu security engineer, I've got links to both of these job uh, descriptions in the show notes, and you, know, you can read and apply for the jobs there, and I urge you to do both of those. Okay, that takes us to the end of the episode. As usual, you can contact the team at security at ubuntu.com or you can find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network or if Twitter is more your thing, you can reach us at ubuntu underscore sec on Twitter. So thanks again everyone for listening for another week. Yeah, this week we've been coming to you from London uh, but next week I'll be back home and yeah, we'll kind of do the usual thing then. So thanks everyone for listening and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.